Hi, you're listening to Healing Codependency. I'm your host, Erica Wright. <laughs> okay. Healing Codependency is a six-pot, deeply personal podcast series that will offer you an intimate look at how and why I am the woman I am today. I'm a self-appointed codependency counselor and passionate about up-leveling my own life. The point of this podcast series is to show you that if I can change, anyone can. I share six core turning points in my life and how I created a relatable daily non-codependency practice. Today on the episode, I talk about how letting go of relationships as fix-it projects allowed me to have the big love. Episode six, the big love. To this day, I'm surprised that this guy's married to me. And I don't mean that in any way that I'm not great. It's not like that. The programming that you know, you get put in you growing up is like, marriage is work. You know, relationships are work. You have to do it this way and you'll struggle and it will be like this. And the basis of every single relationship I had up until my husband was, they were a project. It was my job to fix them. If I weren't offering them something to better themselves with, then I had no value in the relationship. When I met my husband, I didn't meet him and go like, oh my God, it's the man of my dreams at all. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, wow, that guy is rad. I actually said to Natalie, I can't believe he's single, but he also wasn't my type. <laughs> he's like 10 years older than me and he's from Ohio and he's like a big fat guy. And at the time, I liked guys from Europe. I liked English, Irish, and Scottish guys. That was the brand of guy that I dated. So I wouldn't even think of like, well, why would I be with an American guy? <laughs> Which now I'm saying that it just sounds so stupid. It was not love at first sight at all in that way. Meeting Jeff for the first time, it's one of the first times I ever saw a guy actually be vulnerable ever the community that we were in you know we would do ceremonies and i would watch him you know have his feelings and heal and one of my favorite things about him then was he cries all the time <laughs> and also being really surprised by my reaction to it which wasn't like why the hell is this guy crying all the time to going like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Like this guy, this huge man, cause he's huge, you know, and all the ways is like crying about how much he loves his mom. One of the first things I ever remember him saying is, my mom is the one that taught me how to pray. And I'm so grateful for that. And he was weeping. And I was like, oh my God, this man is incredible. 
And, you know, I kept seeing him in ceremony for about a year and the ceremony takes place in a beautiful geodesic dome, which is basically an altar that you sit inside. All of the things that are in there, the beautiful items, and they're all prayers that people have for their lives. And so you're in this room and you're sitting in a huge circle so you can see everybody and everyone can see you. And then it's a dome, right? So there's like a massive, gorgeous altar in the middle and then all over the sides of the dome and all around, sitting inside a massive altar. Songs that come from indigenous places, the way it travels, you know, it has a little bit of a echo or a reverb to it. But it feels very intimate. It's, I mean, it's like the womb, right? It's like it's very much like that. And the containment, and there's like candles everywhere. You know, a lot of the times we would have the ceremonies at night. Having gone there every single week for 13 years, you know, it's like you always find something new. You always catch something new, and it's always changing because it's a living thing. I was in the throes of a very toxic super codependent relationship and it just had never occurred to me as far as i was concerned like he was this old holy guy no old holy guy would want anything to do with me and i ended up you know it became clear the current relationship i'm in i don't want it's really terrible i don't like it it's not working out for me and in a ceremony i had said out loud i think i'm done with this relationship and it's time for it to be over. So here's the crazy thing about meeting somebody in a ceremony, especially if it's a ceremony where they're like praying out loud or asking for healing out loud. There's no small talk. You don't know where these people are from or you know what their favorite pizza topping is, but you know the material of their soul. It's like they're talking and expressing the most intimate details of themselves and asking for help and receiving healing. So the way I met Jeff was like, hi, how are you? I'm Erica, great, I'm Jeff. Okay, welcome to the, you know, welcome to the dome. Here you go, come in, have a seat. I think literally those were probably the first words we exchanged. And then I heard him pray. Listening to a human being ask their creator for help and be in dialogue with their creator is something that is vastly interesting and incredibly intimate. And there you have it. You know, when I was in ceremony with him for I would say about a year and a half and knew him and thought he was the best person and a friend, a person in my community. And then when it was obvious I was ending my relationship, literally my thoughts were, oh my God, I'm going to get out of this relationship. I have no idea where I'm going to meet anybody. I'm just going to be like this weird <laughs> Boston lady floating around Marin. And then Jeff and I were working on a retreat together. And I noticed the volume got turned up a little bit. First, we were texting about French toast and the menu for the retreat. And then there was a lot more going on in the texting. 
I said to Natalie, I was like, is uh, is Jeff like vibing me? You know, she was like, no, dude. And I was like, okay, because it really feels like, is it me? It must be me. I'm making this up. During the time in the retreat, he is the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan on the entire planet. Like another thing he cries about, like he will drive around listening to Bruce Springsteen and cry. Right. And I never liked him. Such a snotty record store clerk. I'd be like, nah, he's overrated, you know? And I was like, had my face rubbed in born in the USA. And it was like mom music, you know, at the time, I think I was into like glam metal and my mom was like really into born in the USA, you know, I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like listening to Guns N' Roses or something. And, and so he was like, I'll tell you what I'll do. I am going to make you a mixtape of Bruce Springsteen and you'll see, you'll see. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I dare you. You're not going to change my mind. So, you know, somehow I get this. It's obviously not a mixtape. It's a CD, right? I remember this. I'm in my car and he's like, you know, it's like CD one, start here. And I put the CD in and the first song that comes on is She's the One by Bruce Springsteen. And I remember listening to it and then like getting a clue. Oh my, wait, what? Because then it was like born to run, loving you is a man's job. Is he, I'm on fire. I'm like, is this, is he, he's talking to me? <laughs> Every single song was for me. And it was this this is a thing that's happening. And I remember saying to Natalie, I think that Jeff, I think it's a thing, you know? And she was like, yes! And the other thing that happened is during that retreat that we were on where I wasn't sure what was going on, one of the ceremonies we would do would be a, a sweat lodge and we were in the sweat lodge. And I remember looking up across at him. You know, you're just looking around, waiting for everyone to get in and waiting. And I remember looking up at him and him looking at me and something happened. My heart started beating. I was like, oh my God, what just happened? He says now, he's like, oh yeah, baby, I married you in that sweat lodge. Looked right up at you and I knew you were my woman. And that was the end of that. And I also want to say, like, the reality is, like, I thought he was too good for me. I was just like, what could a guy like this have any, you know, if he knew what I was really like, if he knew about all the terrible things I'd done <laughs> in my life, he won't like it. The good news is that my husband has done far more terrible things than I have. <laughs> he makes me the CDs. I'm listening to them. I end my relationship and we have this date planned. I was living in north of San Francisco and I was meeting him in the city. I was so nervous. And I met him and I remember him walking up the stairs and me just being like, 
oh shit, I have no moves. None of my usual moves. There's no alcohol. I was still drinking at the time, but I was not drinking then. And there was something also really important to me because all my other relationships had been initiated via alcohol. There was something about this too that I wanted to see how real it was. He walked in. I think I was more nervous than I'd ever been in my life about anything. And he took me out on a date. And I was like, we should just go back to his place and like get it on and get it over with, right? Because like, I I don't know what else to do. I told him, I was like, you know, I think that I'm a little bit nervous that if you knew who I really was and what I'm really like, like you might not be that into me. And he's like, well, what do you mean, baby? And I'm like, well, you know, I've done a lot of really terrible things. And like, I've had sex with a lot of people. I don't know. I mean, you're like kind of a holy guy. And he's like, no, I'm not, baby. Not at all. I used to be a very, very terrible person. I used to do horrible things, baby. <laughs> yeah. I was a bartender at a strip club. I mean, I'm not going to tell you more than that, but I think you can figure it out. And I was so relieved. I was like, oh, you're not a holy person? And he was like, what? <laughs> and then that was it. We went back to his house and sealed the deal. As I said, he is an enormous man. He's like 300 pounds and like six feet tall. I mean, he looks like a linebacker. He's enormous. And I remember he was like, I really need to show you something really important. And I was like, okay, what? And he gets up and he puts on a pink sarong, which I'm like, is this it? He's like, no, 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 no. Come on out here, baby. Come on out here. It's like, okay. We get on the couch and he's like, my commands touch gloves. I want you to watch this because it's really powerful. And I'm like, Okay, he's like, you know, and you're from Boston, so you must know who Mickey Ward is. And I'm like, what? He's a boxer. And he put on this boxing match and started crying. And he was like, do you see how beautiful it is? Do you see how connected these two dudes are? And like, they have to beat each other up. And there's like a very precise art and a way of doing it. And they're really like, do you see how they hug in the middle? You know, and I was just like, I hate this. (laughs) What do you, you know, but it was just. To see him so moved by something that I did not have to understand and I did not have to agree with was so powerful. It was so beautiful. And it really made opening my heart to him so accessible. I mean, and then I moved in the next day. It was like, it was a done deal. His ability to be in himself and his feelings without needing anything from me to do that, it blew my mind, blew my mind. He had been hardcore AA, sober for I think about eight years. And then 
when we met, I think he had a lot of tolerance for me in my drinking and wasn't really participating himself. And because of the level of intimacy that our relationship is, and because he is such a safe person, never once did he say, you need to get sober. I felt like it was a lot of him being present and letting me work it out. And when I would be like, oh, I don't know, you know, I'm hungover. I don't know if I can do this. He'd be like, well, baby, you know, you've got to ask yourself, how's this working out for me? You know, is the, is the alcohol offering you anything you can use? Me wanting to get sober on my own was much more powerful than, than him telling me. I really wanted it for myself and, you know, his unwavering acceptance and celebration of who I am, always. You know, he's a therapist, so that helps. <laughs> he's a therapist that actually practices what he teaches. I remember one of the things that I had a pattern of doing when we first were together, I would apologize for everything, everything. It was automatic. Misplace the keys, I'm sorry. Burn the toast, I'm sorry. Make a loud noise and surprise him, I'm sorry. The thing he got most firm with me about is he was like, you got to stop that. You have to stop apologizing to me for everything. He's like, this is, it's not what's happening. Nothing about you is a problem. You need to knock it off. And I remember being like, whoa. He was like, I get it. I get that you had to do that for a long time and stop it. Stop apologizing for yourself. You got nothing to be sorry for. You're great. You know, and I just remember being like, what? <laughs> I don't. I'm not a problem. He would just be like, nothing about you is a problem. To this day, you know, we've been married for 11 years. It's like he wakes up in the morning and walks in the kitchen. He goes, baby, I'm so happy about my wife. Look at you. In my old ripped underwear, like making sandwiches, you know. The kids are screaming. I mean, and that's his practice with me. His role in my relationship with my brother. He really brought that thing that I needed. There's something about him that's a little bit scary. <laughs> you know, and I remember me meeting him and being like, whoa, he's a serious dude. Like he has a look, he's very handsome. He has a sternness about him that, you know, he means business when he's saying something. And so his role of me being able to let go of my brother, of his insistence of it, he goes or I go, and I'm not messing around with you. That level of trust that I have with him is real. And it's like what I know about my husband is he will always tell me the truth. Whether I like it or not. So when, you know, I'd had that stuff happen with John and I said to him, I said, I was thinking that I might make myself a codependency counselor, like everything I've been through in my whole life. And then this thing with John, we were standing in the kitchen. I remember when I did it and, uh, you know, he's a therapist. He's been in practice for 25 years. 
And I was like, is that a good idea? And he was like, oh yeah, baby, you should do that right away. And I was like, well, I won't know what I'm doing. It's like, yeah, you will. Get some people in front of you and get talking. You're going to be able to figure it all out. You're going to know exactly what you're going to do. And you just talk about your life. Just talk about what happened to you and talk about what works. That's all. It's all clear. You can absolutely say you're a codependency counselor and it's not a pathology and it's behavior. And yes, you should totally do it. And I did. I defer and refer to him always. And our conversations about our own healing, his and mine, and as as a couple is like a massive part of my material too. And the practice that we have in our marriage, which basically is to love each other and leave each other alone, is the basis of everything I teach also. It's an active practice in our life. And then, you know, if I ever feel really stuck with someone or something's happening and I don't really feel like something's coming up for me, is like I always ask that guy because he'll always know. As our language expands for human beings to try to describe their experiences, it's really helpful to have a partner who is on the level. Ask yourself if you're willing to allow non-codependency to filter into every single relationship that you have, that there does not have to be a pocket of exception, and that at any time, any time, especially if you have a partnership or a marriage, at any time, you get to have a different one. At any time, you get to choose a different way of communicating. At any time, you get to choose more vulnerability. At any time, you get to choose more transparency. And whatever your relationship has been has nothing to do with how it can be. All of your relationships can be updated and overhauled over and over and over and over again. In fact, I think the longer that you're in a relationship with someone, the more necessary it is to have multiple versions of your relationship as you change. You hook up, that's one part of it. If you are people that have children, your relationships, the old one's gone, it's dead. Like you, this is all needs to be revised and revised as you change and you heal yourself. You got to find a way to meet each other in the new place over and over and over again. And, you know, the practice that my husband and I have is that his job always is to turn towards me and open up his heart. That's his practice in our relationship. We don't really process things out. We don't really empty the contents of our heads onto each other's lap. But even when we get distracted and we don't feel connected... The practice is to come back together, open up our hearts, be present, listen. There's a lot I think I know about my husband and at the same time, mostly what I'm thinking is I don't know anything about this guy. He's a new person every day. This is a new relationship every day even in the throes of incredible mind-numbing monotony with two small children where like literally the same thing happens over and over again. What non-codependency has really, where it's coming to sort of like root in me and in my life is largely having faith in love 
that the love will always come through the center and the love is always present and the love is always available if you're looking for it. I cannot think of a time in my life where there wasn't a vein of it in everything that I've shared in these six episodes. One of the big bonuses that maturity has offered me is, and non-codependency is, you know, in the past in my codependent patterning, I was constantly looking outside myself to inform myself of myself. The search for unconditional love outside myself turns out is my job to give myself. It is my job that I happily accept to not abandon myself ever. It was my ongoing practice with accepting myself exactly as I am, not making myself a problem and staying in myself no matter what. In staying in myself, I actually can see other people way more clearly. It means that you have the capacity to be centered in yourself, know yourself, hear your own wants, needs, and experiences, and be aware that you have an impact on other people, that other people are having experiences that you know nothing about. It's not one or the other. It's not me or you. It's us. Once I was interested in occupying myself energetically, emotionally, mentally, and physically, I could be present for other people in a non-distracted way because I wasn't sidetracked with, well, how are they going to feel about that? And is this okay with them? And, you know, will they like what I'm about to say? I'm the one that's in charge of that. So I can actually be present with you and listen which when in the codependent patterning, when you're running around trying to control how everybody feels about you, you know, and out of yourself manipulating, you don't have the capacity for that. Or I never did. My codependency groups are always the alchemy of the most incredible people coming together in community as a group, being present for one another, all in the same kind of healing focus. I'm there myself to stay on top of my non-codependency practice. You know, I do not have any of this aced. I created these, firstly, obviously, to offer people something that might be helpful for them. But the fact that I am always in this container means I'm on top of my own practice. And a lot of times in the group, I take a turn to share about what's going on with me. I'm in it with you. We're in it together. And together, we get to talk about where the programming is happening and how we can unravel from it. Everyone gets a chance in, in the hot seat and everyone gets to be witnessed. And then I give you one-on-one -on -one suggestions which in the beginning, when you're super codependent, sound really extreme and really mean, <laughs> right? And it will just be really like the slightest boundary. And 
All feelings are welcome. Everybody gets to come exactly as they are. You're accepted exactly as you are at whatever point of practice. And we just get to heal together. We get to do it together. And over and over again, the repetition, it's great. It's like, oh, okay, that happened again. And I, I'm a little bit more dialed in. Oh, that happened again. I can see, the, oh, wow, I was really codependent that one time. Unfortunately, there is no awards or medals given out for the Healing Olympics at the end of uh, this lifetime that I can find. You know, so you can just relax and get into it. There's nowhere to get to accept potentially more love for you. It's the only reason to do it. It's the only reason to bother is that you will potentially be able to feel more love, receive more love, and give more love. And you'll like your life more. I really like to work with people who are down to do the job of themselves, that want to be responsible for their experience on this planet right now. All my healing, that's my job. My internal environment, my job. You know, my anti-racism, my job. My healing of misogyny, my job. I really love to work with people who are down to do what's theirs to do. And it can actually be kind of fun and kind of funny. Learn to hold it lightly. The density of this material is thick and there's an option to hold it lightly. It's a practice being willing to let go, to give up. It's like the opposite of everything that we're taught, you know, about being like, pull up your bootstraps and get into that stuff. It's like, no, give it up. Stop it. Knock it off. Don't do that anymore. It's like a lot, a lot of my very wise counseling is that stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. And really being willing to see what letting something go can do for you unnominating yourself from all the positions that you think you need to maintain all your positions and perspectives and going like, I think I'm just going to let that go because, you know, I've been dragging it around like a dead old carcass for 40 years. And it really hasn't brought me the relief that potentially just letting it go and forgetting about it forever might do right. It's a path. It's a potential path. Two things that are really valuable in my lived experience as a person actively healing their lives are very undervalued. Not knowing and letting it go. Forget about it. And not bypassing or denial. That's not what I'm saying. I think I'm just going to let this go because it's not actually offering me anything that is helpful. Thank you for listening to Healing Codependency. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about my one-on-one -on -one and group counseling programs, please find me online at ericawright.org. That's E-R-I-K-A-W-R-I-G-H-T dot O-R-G, and on Instagram at Erica Wright H-C-D. That's E-R-I-K-A-W-R-I-G-H-T-H-C-D.
This production was co-created by award-winning media midwife, Ari Golden. You can find a link to her work in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Healing Codependency, a six-part podcast series of my life and path towards non-codependency. I'm your host, Erica Wright. I hope this series gives you an awareness of your own codependent behavior and offers you the possibility and inspiration for change. If I can do it, anyone can do it. And in every moment, you have a choice. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you find it helpful. Healing Codependency is sponsored by my company, Superstar Dark Chocolate, a superfood bar with all organic raw ingredients. Find it and eat it at www.superstar.com. That's www.supahstah.com. And God's Eye Oils natural hand-blended beauty care and custom perfumes. To experience the full line of products, please visit www.godseyeoils.com. That's www.godseyeoils.com. You can find links to our sponsors and learn more about each episode in the show notes.